It is Monday, 9.04 in the 9.04. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. Jaguars Happy Hour is presented by Jet Home Loans. And now, a guy who believes Labor Day should celebrate mothers everywhere, J.P. Shadrick. And welcome in. It is Jaguars Happy Hour and Happy Labor Day. Welcome in, J.P. Shadrick. We've got a busy couple hours ahead as we get ready for week one in the National Football League. The team's back to work today. The initial 53-man roster set last week, last Tuesday. Week one, Jaguars at Colts, Lucas Oil Stadium. The site is coming Sunday for a 1 o'clock kickoff. In the second hour, we'll keep it real as always. And Fanatics fan questions, many on X today. We'll hear from our Christian Kirk, Foyer Lucan. They both spoke with the media a little earlier this afternoon. We're on 1010XL, Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube. Tony Vaselli and Pete Prisco joining me now. Uh, happy Labor Day, gentlemen. How are we today? We're good. Nothing like, nothing like working on Labor Day. <laughs> I, Look at you complaining about working. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. I'm, I'm just saying it's nothing like working on Labor Day. That's I have no problem with it. Knowing you, you're getting time and a half anyways. No, come on. <laughs> I, I'm actually in uh, Newport Beach, California. I was going to say, out, it looks was, like you look kind of beachy today, Tony, I must say. Yeah, I was, uh, well, I came out for the, uh, I had some work on the West Coast last week, and then I uh, came and watched the best uh, university in the world, the University of Southern California, go to war with Nevada. Um uh, because my son-in-law plays there, so watch them, and then uh, came down to see my stepmom in uh, Newport Beach at, the, at her house down here. So, and uh, you're gonna go to Javier's and have some dinner. I had, Pete. I was at Javier's last night. <laughs> I've that. been there. It's a good it restaurant. Outstanding, and it was hopping last yeah. night. <laughs> hopping. It's a good restaurant. And there's a lot. Yep. The, I think most of the pretty people on the universe are eating at Javier's on a, a nightly basis. I mean, it was, it was a, it was packed for a Sunday night. I know today's Labor Day. That's probably why, but it was a, it's great food. Um, great atmosphere. We sat outside. Um, it's just, it's really cool. So how did the, um, the two chips you ate since that's all you can eat these days? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the one thing. I, for whatever reason, I can still eat the like Mexican food is my favorite, and uh, I had plenty of chips and guac. Had a little carnitas. It was uh, yeah, I, outstanding. I can, it's good. That's a really good Mexican restaurant, no doubt. And JP did called the game this weekend. He had Colorado yeah. and TCU. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, big ball game. What a Fort game! Worth. Unbelievable. A game. Back and forth. All the second half lead changes. Dion shocking college football with a win over a team that went to the championship game last year. And um, they can score. I don't know how many people they're going to stop in Colorado this year, but they can score. There's no doubt about hey, that. Tony, what do you think the over-unders on J.P. Screams was in that game? <laughs> well, that, Pete, it's funny. I was going to go there. Uh, first of all, I was going to say, J.P., they got the one stop when it mattered at the end of the game. It's true. That was a game like whoever could get one stop at the end was going to win. That was it. Um, or whoever had the ball last. Um, 
I was wondering, Pete, uh, JP, did you like run out of like big touchdown calls? I mean, it was <laughs> such a high scoring game. I mean, were you like reusing like some of your best material by the fourth quarter? You know, it was funny. The start of the game, right? TCU gets the ball first on offense and they go to the line. They want to play fast. So they go three and out in 50 seconds. And my analyst, Derek Rackley, didn't get a word in. Like, the first, the first four plays of the game. Like, nothing at all. That's kind of were... like me and Tony on here on Mondays. Yeah, that's right. That's just <laughs> yeah, same thing. That's what it is. Hey, by the way, I've heard JP call games. He's very good at it, at calling games. In fact, he's so much better at calling games than he is on here on Mondays. I can tell you wow, that. For thanks. I appreciate that. I'll take that. Thank you, Pete. No, you're very uh, good. No, he does a good job. But, no, you're right about that. Uh JP, um, when the, when it's going fast on radio, because yeah. it's much different than TV, because you can't talk, the analyst can't talk over the play, and so if it's a if it's a fast paced offense, that analyst can be sitting there for a while. That's what you know, I just sit back. I just sit back and start eating snacks and drinking <laughs> coffee and say, "Go about, go about your bad self." Pretty much, yeah. And then and both teams played uh, fast in that game on Saturday, so that cold beer after the game tasted really nice. Let's put it that way. Hey, um, initial 53-man roster is out on Tuesday afternoon. Seven wide receivers made the team, guys. How close were we, by the way? We were, um, close. I, we, were, we, did, we were close, except for we didn't have um, – We didn't have the extra wide receiver, for sure. We didn't, we didn't have Cooks. And how many offensive linemen did they keep, JP? I think they uh, – and we got Hans wrong. They right. kept Cole Van Lannon instead of uh, Blake – Hands right, or is Blake Hans back on the? He's he's not on the roster either, is he? JP, he's hurt. Uh, he's on the roster that I have in front of me. He is, yep. but he's hurt. So okay, didn't he get hurt? Wait, wait, hold game? on, wait a second. I thought Blake Hans got cut. Did he get re-signed? Did Let's I have. misread the? I thought I saw a release where he got cut. So I don't want to. Obviously, I'm wrong. Obviously, yeah. Um, I'm looking at the because I am looking at the roster at the on the website. I'm assuming it's it's up to date. So read the read, let's um, go through it. We'll go through it. I mean, we got the who do we have on the offensive line that we didn't we didn't have? Um, read it, JP. Tell us who's on it. Just yeah, so, we so we're going through it. Here, here we go. With the offensive linemen, we've got Sheriff, we've got Shatley, Van Lannan, Walker Little, Blake Hance, Anton Harrison, Ben Barch, Luke Fortner. Okay, Van Lannan, we didn't have. Right. No, we didn't have Van. Lannan. JP. What, would did, was I mistaken that they moved Hans at one point, or did I just miss it completely? I think there was something right around uh, before the four o'clock deadline. Something strange yes. happened, but I think yeah, because I, 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 I he's on the roster. Reading something online. Okay, he's on the roster now. Because I remember reading online, I was shocked about the news because yeah. I thought for sure he was making, it, especially with the injuries. But he's on the roster. Um, okay, good. So. Um, that's uh, perfect. I, I want to make sure I'm clear there. So that's eight guys, um, right? What it, was that? Yeah, only eight. I think he was eight. brought back, though. I think he was brought back. Yeah, yeah he was, obviously. But there's only eight, uh, Pete, on the um, eight offensive linemen. And so that's why they kept the um, seventh receiver. Now, the interesting thing is they're going to have decisions to make because Cam Robinson will come back. You know, do they cut an offensive lineman or do they cut someone at another position like wide receiver? Well, Atlanta would thing, be the co the candidate to go, wouldn't he? If you're going to keep eight and put him on the practice squad, if you're going to keep eight, but then the other one, um, Cooper Hodges, is going to come back. Will be able to come back. 
Right. After um, what is it? Four weeks, JP. Yeah. Short term. That's, uh, yeah. If short-term it's IR. That's right. That's the minimum. So we'll see. So aside uh, from aside from Van Lannen, we got the line right. Yes. By the way, the linemen on the practice squad are Daryl Williams, Coy Cronk, and Chandler Brewer. Yep. Okay. And and they could always move Van Lannen or one of those guys to practice squad if they have to. Yeah, in theory, you could do that. Uh, I mean, yeah, they could. They they must have been concerned that the seventh receiver was going to get claimed. I think the um, the other one we did not have there. Um, and I'm looking at the roster online at the on Jaguars.com. Um, Angel, uh, Angelo Blackson. They just signed him today, though. Yeah, right. Just added I'm him. saying we didn't have him. They just signed him. That's my point. We did not have him. Um, as one of the offensive linemen, obviously, I mean, defensive linemen, because obviously he wasn't there. Um, and I don't think, Jay, I don't think Pete, we had Caleb Johnson, the running, uh, the linebacker, linebacker, who's a special, a special teams ace. That's why we he did. made the team. We did not. Um, you know, the reason Blackson's on the team is because of what happened with Hamilton. That's right. Has to be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, because remember when the Hamilton news came out, everyone was pushing or was the talk was that he would be ready for um, he'd be ready for uh, opening day. That was kind of the the impression we were given, at least. And obviously, that's a longer term injury. We still are unclear exactly what happened um, because he is now on IR. That means four weeks without him, and that's why you had to go make a move there uh, uh, off the wire. And they saw um, Ross Blacklock today, too, to the practice squad. Yeah, to the squad. Remember, he was he was a Texans draft pick who I, I thought was going to be a good player. I hadn't worked out for him yet. but So they clearly have concerns about Mr. Hamilton, even though he was in the building last week. He's in the building. <laughs> Remember that? Well, and I think the other corner we did not have uh, on the roster. Um, I can't remember. Did we have Monteric Brown make it? No, we did not. Nope. He, no, yeah. he, he made it. He made it. Yeah, he, he made, made it. it. So, so we missed about uh, three positions. If you take away the adding of Blackson, um, that we did not know he um, what was going to happen there. Cause we but did, if, you we knew had... Hamilton, if you knew Hamilton was going on sure. IR, we would have had another. So, so technically we didn't. We missed Brown and we missed the the linebacker Johnson and the seventh yeah, and, and, seventh receiver. Those are the two and, and, best. The and we receiver. thought they were going to keep. Nine, we thought they'd keep nine offensive linemen, mm-hmm. but not. So obviously, yeah, like you said, Pete, it, it feels like, uh, you know, we were talking about hey, the seventh receiver is going to get claimed no matter what they do. Well, they just kept them both instead of a fourth and tight the, end. And, and by and by the way, Jacob Harris did not get claimed. No, he did not. He's on the practice. Right. He's on the uh, practice squad. Right. And the other thing that we did not know at the time was Chris Claybrooks um, was going to be on the commissioner's list. That's right. So he's out indefinitely. That's right. So that changes a whole lot as well. Well, that's also probably why. Mon- well, would you think they would have kept Claybrooks over Monteric Brown, no matter what? I don't know that he's. They love him as a gunner, Pete. Yeah, I think I that's, love spe- that's where his love real special teams. That's where his real value was, Pete. I think. And and he can run, and so if you're going to play a lot of man, 
Um, he can run outside with guys. Yeah, Jacob Harris is back. So look, and and probably if you had cut the seventh receiver, he probably would have been back too. Because you know there was no no guys were claimed, barely any guys were claimed around the no. league. No. Yeah, there wasn't a lot. And Pete, I think the one we missed. The biggest miss was on us. We thought the sixth and seventh or the sixth receiver was coming down to Tim Jones and Harris. And really, Cooks was a, obviously making the team was ahead of Harris in that conversation. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And they, uh, they didn't do the fourth tight end. They let uh, Garrett Prince walk. Yeah. Yeah, that was another one we were surprised at. We thought they'd keep four. Four. They kept three tight ends. And they said all three, all three will be active on game day, and they have a lot of three tight end sets. So. You know, anyone, you know, if, if that's part of your game plan, which it will be for Doug and, and, uh, and, Press, uh, Doug and Press Taylor, the offensive coordinator, and one gets dinged up during the game, that takes a piece of your playbook out because you only have three active tight ends on the roster. And they don't, they don't, did they, uh, they didn't bring Prince back, did they? No, he, uh, he signed with another he, practice. That's right. Play. He got, yeah. So, he's, so they could elevate him if they had to, but during, no, right. he signed with another team's practice squad. Right, that's what I'm saying. They don't have another tight end on the roster right now, I don't yeah. think, on the yeah, practice squad. Yeah, they do. They've got yes, Derek, Peterson. Yeah, oh, Josh wow. Peterson. And Derek Parrish is listed as a tight end now. Yeah, Parrish is tight end. Fullback, he was a fullback, a linebacker. That guy played everywhere. Yeah, right. He was a pass rusher at Houston. Uh, right. Cougars, yeah. Yeah. So, so they might get – if they get an injury at tight end in the game, that's going to be a problem then. That's right, Pete. I mean, especially if the three tight end is a big part of your game right. plan, and we and we saw that during, we saw glimpses of that during the preseason. But it and wasn't. So, but as far as the cuts go for the entire team, it was an easy cut, and that's always usually a pretty good sign, to me. Yeah, I think a couple like back end of the roster, a couple surprises that we got wrong, um, and you know, obviously, listen, Cooks had a great preseason, and they loved him. You know, um, he's big, he's athletic, he can move. Um, I mean, he's an interesting player, an interesting guy to have on your roster. And I think they just, you know, coming in as a rookie, first opportunity, I think they loved, you know, possibly the development of him and the fear that he would get picked up and they wouldn't be able to get him on practice squad because he did have a good preseason. And he has, like I said, a really interesting skill set because of his size. Yeah, and if Hodges and... Ventrell, well, Hodges would have been on the team no matter what. He yes. would have made it. Ventrell Miller might have forced him to cut Shaq Quarterman, don't you think? I think he came. I think Caleb uh, Johnson Caleb, got his uh, spot. Johnson, he, he, no, Caleb Johnson was making the team no matter what. That's why I ended up hearing late, Pete, in the process that something that obviously you and I missed is they love him from a core special teams guy. I mean, he just has a real – a, a skill set that they like a lot in that. And so I think it was, it would have come down to Vontrell Miller or Quarterman making the roster at the end. And because and they would have kept, kept Miller, they were not cutting a draft pick if he was healthy. I, I wouldn't have thought so. And I think with the injury to the Achilles, that made it obviously a very easy decision for them. I think so, the biggest surprise to me is keeping eight offensive linemen and only keeping three tight ends. Yeah. Well, it tells you they're concerned about that defense a little bit too, doesn't it? Well, I think it has a lot to do with injuries too. You have the Fadakasi injury, so you know, obviously he's supposed to be ready for the opening day, but at what percentage? So, and then you have the uh, Devon Hamilton. Um, 
injury as, as well. But he was in the building and last week. Pete, will you stop saying that over and over again, please? <laughs> guys, um, let's but, come you know, back. So that, hey, hey, we got to come back, guys. That, that, forced, <laughs> that, forced their, that forced their hand, Yes, I think, at a couple positions. Tony, we'll uh, come back a little later and dig into that thought. I will return with a little more offensive discussion as the Jaguars get ready for week one in the National Football League. Jags fans want customized Jaguars furniture for your home? Check out ZipChair.com and browse all customizable options. ZipChair furniture for fans. We're off and running. It's Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Jet Home Loans. That's the unique thing about the roster um, and the way the way it's constructed every year. You never really go in with a set number. I mean, in your mind, you, you might have a set number. Um, and sometimes, you know, you're going to go heavy at a position. You'll go light at another one, you know, or, or whatever it might be. So it's just a, it's just how it worked out this year, um, you know, and, and uh, we're excited for the seven that we have and, and uh, obviously depth there and a couple on practice squad too. That's head coach Doug Peterson, of course, at a press conference late last week discussing the initial 53-man roster. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on Monday. J.P. Shadrick with Tony Vaselli and Pete Prisco. We're on 1010XL AM, Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube. Glad you're with us. The Jaguars back in the building today after three mandated days off, Friday, Saturday, Sunday for the players. And uh, back on the practice field today, players day off tomorrow, and then uh, Wednesday the prep uh, begins again for the Jaguars and the Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium this Sunday. Uh, Doug Peterson there discussing wide receivers. What are you guys laughing at? I'm sitting here, what? Three days off, back for a day, and off on Tuesday. Oh, my gosh. Pete, you read my mind. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, (laughs) oh, boy. How good it is to be an NFL player in this instance. It's it's absolutely incredible when you think about it. My gosh. I I mean, good for them. I mean, you know, Pete, what it reminds me of, Pete and JP, so I remember when I was playing and my brother-in-law actually uh, played for the Buffalo Sabres when they were really good with Dominic Hasek and that when they went to the, you know, finals and so on and so forth. And he was uh, the number on the number two line. So he was the center on the number two line. And he played in the NHL for 15 or 17 years, long time. And uh, and I so I go up there during the off season and watch him play. And and because uh, I actually introduced him to Angie's little sister, and that's how they met and they got married. Um, but we would talk about, and he would tell me his schedule. And they had back then their CBA was much like our CBA today. Is like they had limited like defined number of hours they could be at the stadium for a practice and like and it was like something ridiculous like they could only be on the ice for x amount of time and they only had to be at the facility x amount of time and the people got there and they left and i'm like are you kidding me like it was like three hours or four hours it was a half day at, at most and i used to and he's like don't you guys have stuff like that i'm like hell no they can beat the hell out of us and do whatever they want whenever they want the only thing we have is one mandatory day off a week um which is you know tuesday and even then if you're injured they can force you to come into the building and do rehab and everything else and he was blown away and he is what about training camp i'm like no there's no rules i mean they they own you and as much time on the field meetings so on and so forth and he's like that's crazy 
He's like, even during camp, there's only so many hours we can be at the facility. And I used to think back, I'm like, man, that sounds so good. Because, listen, do I think they maybe have gone too far the other way in the NFL now? Because the NFL is the one professional sport that takes reps. It's a very, it's 11 guys on the same page. It's the most strategic game in professional sports. It takes the most coordination, timing, and everything else. Um, yeah, I think they might have gone too far the other way. But with that said, we were way too far doing stupid stuff that was at the point I always said it. I'm like, we are now it's diminishing returns. Like the more, like the more time we're spending, we're not getting any better. If anything, it's just beating us up and wearing us down. And, um, and so I just, I mean, I love it for the guys now um, because you can take care of your body. Mentally you're taken care of. I mean, it's a limited time you have to be at the facility um you can do all the treatment all the and all by the way the team provides everything you need around that as well plus you can do your own personal stuff and so i just laughed when i heard that you know three days off mandatory then they have another day off because it's game week and i'm just like you know what you have no excuse especially if you're a pro pete right if you're like a guy who takes your craft seriously so you're doing the extra work you're preparing like i would have thrived in this environment because I was always doing more and like trying to, you know, make sure I was ready for game day. And this, I would have just thrived in this because I would have felt so good and mentally like ready and fresh and recovered physically and camp wouldn't have been a grind. I mean, Logs and I talk about it all the time. I mean, you come out of camp and you were beat to hell going into the regular season. You are tired. Your body's tired. Now, I think the advantage we had, I think we had more calluses. Like there was a, and I'm not saying these guys aren't tough today, but like you beat yourself into a position where you, your body could endure a lot. And you were more physical. You were more and physical. It was a, you tackled, it was, it was physical. Yeah, yeah. It was, a, well, but, but Pete, it was a more physical game back then. I mean, like, like, I, like I joked around when we were at camp, where's the, where's the middle drill? When are they going to do the middle drill or goal line, full go goal line? They don't do it anymore. No, but even yeah, and even the rules of the game are you can't be as physical. I talk to current players all the time, offensive linemen, and and they say, man, watching what you guys could do back then is like amazing. Like, and I'm not saying it's right. Like we used to be able to cut. Like if I got a guy on the ground, I could go down and just hammer him. You know, I could, you could put your hand in the face as long as you removed it. They weren't going to call it right away. Now the defense could do a lot of stuff to us too. You know, when you used to pull, the DBs could come chop your knees out and go low and cut you. I tell and... story when I was out. I was out in California with the offensive linemen when those when the Charles Bentley was doing his thing, and we sat down and we watched the tape from the Cowboys Packers game when when Reggie White and Larry Allen and and Eric Williams were there, and I was just sitting there because you know I lived it, I was around it, but to go back and watch it, it was so violent. <laughs> the line play was just a war all to the entire time it was just vicious and that was there and that was there i played in i mean it was come off the ball and just beat the hell out of each other and downhill and vertical and cutting people and cutting in you know cutting in the screen game out in space and rolling up on guys and guys cutting you and like it was it was a and by the way peel back blocks and like you could ear hole guys and you could get ear hold i mean that was the thing back in interception was throwing his offensive lineman, man, get your head on a swivel because they're coming after you. And I mean, you can get lit 
The uh, game is different in so many it's, ways. It's, it's, in a lot of ways, it's better. In a lot of ways, it's, it, it loses something as well. It loses the physical early in the season. You're not, the games aren't as crisp and physical as they should be. You know, one thing I did want to say, Coughlin would have had a trouble with all these rules, but I want to go back to last week. Man, the man needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Let's go. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, look, yeah. it, it's ridiculous. Tom Coughlin yeah. should be in the Hall of Fame. And he didn't get in. They put, you know, the old-time coach in. And now they'll put Shanahan in or him in next. And then one of them will go in. He'll get in. He should get yeah, in. Yeah, he's going to get in. He's going to get in. I think you're, you're exactly right, Pete. He will get in. But back to your point about the physicality uh, of the old, the way it was played. And is it a better game or a worse game today? I actually think because I think one of the biggest changes was is, uh, the freedom they gave receivers to run ac- across the middle and, and the, the way offense can be played now because you didn't need a reason to knock someone out going across the middle when I played. And you and like I, I always watching Jimmy and Keenan and those guys go across the middle and the toughness and what they did. And, and even like there was no helmet to helmet. No one even thought about that. That's how you hit somebody. And there was no defenseless receiver and anything like that. I mean, in like defensive ends used to be able to bull rush and put their head right into our Sturman's head first. I mean, it was just – and so – but what it's done, the new rules, yes, it's protected players. It's made the game less physical. It's still a physical game. you still got to be a tough dude to go play this game. So I'm not questioning anyone's toughness. It's still physical. It's just not as physical. But I think in some aspects, the fans like it more because it's opened it up and it's become a, it's become a score. You know, it's points. a lot of offense, big numbers and Fantasy points and football, everything else. Points. All yeah. That. yeah. That, I mean, we just talked about the Colorado TCU game, you know, and that's college football, but college football is even taking a more severe approach of kicking kids out of games. If you go helmet to helmet. Um, but for me personally, I enjoyed, I probably enjoyed the game more when in the era that I played in just because that's what I was used to in the physical nature. Um, but with that said, I still love the game and I think the fans love it. And I think what they've done with around training camp, probably too far for me, but overall, I think it's the right move and protecting guys. And, 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 and by the way, I'm, I'm convinced half the time coaches would do what they did to us just because they were scared to death. That someone else was doing more than them. Right. Like they just, they just did stuff to do it. Like stay stay around the office at five o'clock on a Friday in the off season just because you think the other guys make it doing it and might make you look good. I agree. They all did and, that. And some of the practices we're doing, like this is just like it's like what are they? Come on, I don't need to hit this much. I can't even like I'm like beat the hell, and we have a season ahead of me. And so um, I think it protects. It makes the coaches smarter too, and have to be smarter. And like I'll give you a perfect example. And I love what Doug Peterson did. If you look at the beginning of training camp. They ran two fields. They had the ones on one field, the twos on the other field, and they got a ton of reps in. That's smart. These new rules are forcing coaches to think through their strategies and how they prepare their team. And you got to be smart. And the smart coaches will figure it out. And that, like guys like Doug Peterson. So um, it's still a great game. The rules have changed. Player safety is at the is at the forefront. I always and I think thinking about player safety is good. I always tell people though, if you, if you're worried, if like, don't play this game, if you want to be safe though, this game is not for the people who want to be safe. No, but you know, it's funny, Tony, you talk about your generation and the one, when I first started covering you guys and stuff and how violent and nasty it was. Well, I'm it a little worse older. Before that. It was, it was I'm a little older. You didn't have the head slap. <laughs> it was, <laughs> Pete, I, I remember I was, listen, 
you're not much older than I am. As a kid, I was, I've been watching NFL football as a diehard fan since I remember watching the 77 Broncos orange crush play against the Dallas Cowboys in the Super Bowl. I mean, I, like, I grew up in the physicality and what Crazy. happened. I mean, think about as a Bronco fan, I remember the fights between them and the Raiders at the Lyle Alzado. It was mayhem. Always. Late hits. And like, no one's getting thrown out. No. It was like a flag here or there and guys body slamming. Remember, I can't remember the guy. Remember the defensive lineman who body slammed Jim McMahon and almost killed him? Yeah, that was Joe Turkey Jones. And I mean, now he, that was so violent that he actually did get suspended. Wasn't it Turkey Jones or did he do Bradshaw? I, I, I don't remember, but. I mean, and so the the evolution of the game, and and part of the evolution is around player safety and and playing the game and what the what that has opened it up more and made it a more of an offensive game. That's why you go back and look at some of the numbers, like the fact that Pete, the all-time Charles Martin, that's who it was. Charles, Charles Martin, yeah. Pete, the fact that the all-time leading receiver in our game is Jerry Rice, who played in an era where you could beat up guys, you can get knocked out across the middle. It was a much more physical game. And that he is still the all-time leader by a significant margin is remarkable. And you go look at the numbers like that Jerry Rice put up, or a, a James Lofton, who's even older than Jerry Rice, and what he did in the era where you could beat people up all the way down the field. It is we talked about it last week, Dan Marino throwing for 5,000 yards in 1984. Like that, that, like, like you, like that's when you appreciate the true greatness yep. of certain guys and what they were able to do. And that's why I think it's always very difficult to compare players from era to era. And you have to judge when, like we were talking about the hall of fame with uh, coach Coughlin, you have to judge players based on their, their era and what they did. Um, and that's why I'll go to Fred Taylor. You look what Fred Taylor did in the area he played in, in, a, in the, his physical ability and in, in the yards and the moves and the games, what he did is remarkable. In today's era, Fred Taylor would be. I yeah, mean, but in today's era, they'd play him for five years and then get rid of him yeah, and get, get a, new get a guy. younger guy. Yeah, yeah but not Fred Taylor because remember, one thing Fred never did, Pete, never slowed down. That's true. Hey, let's come back, guys. We got plenty ahead, and uh, we'll we'll try to figure out a pass rushing strategy against Anthony Richardson when we come back. That's the challenge this week for the Jaguars. Sign up your furry friend for the Jaguars official four legged fan club for pets, presented by Forever Vets Animal Hospital. Your pet will receive access to exclusive merchandise, events, and sweepstakes throughout the 2023 season. Visit jaguars.com slash promotions slash four-legged fan club to sign up today. It's Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Jet Home Loans. Specific calls that we have, being able to play off of each other and uh, already knowing where my boy is, you know, even if I might be dropping this way, you know, my help might be to my left or something. Uh, just knowing where all the pieces fit on the field, I think it's going to be huge. And then, uh, you know, hurry up, obviously being able to communicate with each, each other on the field, already knowing what to expect from each other out there. Just being able to play faster when we see a look. Foyer look on Jaguars linebacker, the league's leading tackler the last two seasons. Welcome back. It's Jaguars happy hour. 
J.P. Shadrick, Pete Prisco, Tony Baselli from the Hyundai Studios. Well, I'm in the Hyundai Studios. Tony and Pete are elsewhere. We're on 1010XL, Jaguars.com, and Jaguars YouTube. Glad you're with us. The Fanatics fan questions coming up in hour number two. We'll keep it real, as we always do. The question there uh, was about continuity in the defense. All the starters are back. The play caller is back. The league's leading tackler is back. How would that help? That was his answer there. So they'll have a, a little bit of a test here week one with the mobility, at least, of Anthony Richardson. And uh, I guess the challenge this week is keeping him contained and, you know, forcing him to stand in there and make throws down the field. I mean, that that, that would be advantageous for the back end of the Jaguars' defense, I would guess, right? Yeah, but it's also how are they going to use him? I mean, are they going to gimmick the whole offense up for him? Are they going to allow him to drop back and throw the football? I, I, yeah, that's the unknown with him. I would imagine they're going to use him in, in in the way they use Hertz in Philadelphia. But again, when you're a pass rusher in this with that style, Tony, you have to be a lot more disciplined in your, your rush up the field or else you could have problems. Yeah, I mean, you got to keep your lanes. You got to have your rush lanes. You, you hear a lot of teams talk about kind of a mush rush where you're just kind of forcing him to stay in the pocket and operate from the pocket. And not well, Jacksonville had a mush rush all last year. I don't think they want to do that again this year. <laughs> Pete, that's not very nice. But I do think, I mean, listen, he's an athletic, big, strong kid, big arm. If anything, the question about him is his accuracy. Um, you saw that. Um, at Florida, his limited time there. I, I think a great comparison is is Josh Allen. And, and I think what you saw in Josh Allen early in his career, because he was inaccurate at Wyoming, but it had all the tools. Um, and it took him time to get comfortable and reading defenses. And Because remember, Pete, how inaccurate he was early? But he really was. You know what? That was a perception of him at Wyoming. And I went back and I remember I went back and watched all his games on tape. And, and one thing, he had passes doinking off guys' faces and hand. He had terrible players at Wyoming. It was different. Not that not that Richardson had talented star receivers say, at Florida yeah, either. It's, but, yeah, but it's, not like it's a little Richardson, different. It's a little different. But I get I, your I, point. I, it's a good comparable. Um, but all reports out of Indy, and this is was the word coming out of Florida, he's a great kid, smart. But, you know, a loves ball like Jim Rat, And so he's going to figure it out. I think he's going to be a good player. I do, too. Um, and I think the question is, is how do they utilize him early to kind of get his feet wet and make sure he's comfortable? I think it's going to be what you said, Pete, a lot of Jalen Hurts. I think you're going to see read options. I think you're going to see a lot of, you know, movement of the pocket. I think they're going to ask him to use his legs when he can. Um, and that creates a – problem for a defense when you're that athletic when you're that talented and it changes how you rush it changes you know what you want to do defensively how aggressive you can be I mean heck you play any man coverage and go after him and you miss him he's off to the races and there's no one to go get him and so I I would expect a lot of zone um force him do you spy him on third down passes or is that I don't I don't think so Pete not if you're going to play zone right you know I think you know I think you. I think you play good zone coverage. Well, they don't actually have receivers that scare you if you did match up with them in man to man either, though. 
No, but I think man to man, the the danger with man to man, then you better have you're running. You turn with your him. back, and you better you better have someone allocated for him then, because if he breaks contain or gets out of that rush, see you later. Can, see, I, I think this is where Devin Lloyd's speed and his ability to be a better player than he was a year ago and understand the concepts of the defense will be in play big in this game. I think that's just me. No, I, I do too. But I, I I think you're going to see a lot of zone. I think you have a lot of zone coverage. Well, they have zone I, corners, so that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it, eyes outside of Tyson Campbell, um, eyes on the guy and just force him. This is, I think, the game plan. Force him to put long drives together. And and then what you're going to then most likely is going to happen, you're going to force mistakes. Yep. And because this is not a super talented team offensively. I mean, their best player is Jonathan Taylor's you know, on the pup list or out. I mean, right, think I'm about it. Your best players on the pup list, not playing. Your quarterback is a first-time starter. And, and how it goes, they have nobody who scares down the field at all. I mean, Pierce and, and, and Pittman, Pittman good doesn't, he's a good player, but he doesn't run that well. You know, he's not scaring you with his speed. Um, they'll gimmick up some stuff for the tight ends. The offensive line was a disaster last year. Yeah. And so I, it, it's, it's a limited offense. He's going to be, if Jacksonville's defense doesn't play well, and, you know, maybe they'll give up one big, long scramble, play, run type of thing. But the rest of the game, I expect them to contain that offense. I really do. No, I do, too. But here's the thing. Shane Steichen's a heck of a play caller. And he proved it at, uh, at the Chargers. He proved it at Philly. That's why he's a head coach. I mean, they'll have a game plan. They'll be ready. And Gus Bradley's a heck of a defense coordinator. So yes, they have he is. Two good, they have two good coordinators. And Gus will have a plan for Trevor and what they want to do. And my guess is – they're going to play, you know, a combination, a lot of, you know, base coverage of some single D, single high, three deep looks. They'll do some different uh, kind of split safety looks to keep them, uh, keep them honest. And they're going to try to force, keep everything in front of them and force Trevor to put together long drives as well. I mean, that's, but that's, I mean, Gus's, look at, that's Gus's MO anyways. That's, that's yeah. my that's point. Career, if, you look right? at how, if you look at Gus's success, whether he was at the Chargers, the Raiders, or, or at the Colts against a similar offense, like the Chiefs, same mindset, Andy Reid, you know, Doug Peterson, a lot of talent offense. He plays the game saying, listen, we're going to keep everything in front of us and we're going to play great red zone defense and force field goals and, and keep try to, you know, make sure that you can't light up the scoreboard with big because of all the big plays and explosives that you get. So I think that, that you know, that will kind of be their game plan. And, I mean, the Jaguars are a much better team. I mean, come on. They're a much better team. And this that's, is a game that's, by the way, that's flipped quickly, you know? It, it has. It has, because it wasn't only – it wasn't – a couple of years ago, you weren't thinking that. No. Remember, the, a couple of years ago, it was give them a quarterback and they're going to be they're, they're going to be a good team, the Colts. That's not the case anymore. No, not at all. They got a quarterback, or at least a young one, and they got a lot of questions across the board. So, I mean, I, listen, the, the, I mean, and it's not even fun, but I'll do my first lock of the year. Oh, it's here it comes. Of, wow. Already. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a lock that the Jaguars win this game. The question oh, is I'm, – I'm locking, I'm locking it too, so you can make it a double lock. And by the way, I locked Jacksonville in the Super Bowl. So what, do I, what the heck do I know? Double lock. Yeah, and so, I mean, and, and you know, I, I kind of – I always like playing opening day on the road. Because anything can happen on opening day. And, you know, I think the home field advantage is a little bit less, Pete, just because there's so much hype and unknown and excitement. And then you get that home opener week two against the Chiefs, which is a great home opener for us. Um, Force them to come to the heat. 
come to Jacksonville, fans will be rowdy, first time to see it. So um, this is, but this is huge. It's a division game. Those always count more. It's, it's the first step, you know, in defending the AFC South title that you had last year. And you are the better team. If you want to go win the division and have a chance to be the number one seed or a top seed in the playoffs, you have to win the games that you are clearly the better team. You have to win those because there's going to be a handful that are a coin flip like the following week when you play the Chiefs. That's a coin flip at home. And so you got to go win the ones that you're favoring. You're just flat the better team across the board. Which should be in the majority of the games in the division and the majority of games in the NFC South. That's right. You saw, I don't know if you guys saw Peter King's column today, but I can, I talked to him on the sideline <laughs> in Green Bay and convinced him of why, ah. why Jackson. Huh? Uh-huh. So it was you. Yeah. Well, he, did, he wrote that in the column. I'm the one who could, he even said it. I'm the one who made him think about it, and he went back and looked at it, and that's why he did it. Guys, let's come yeah, back. He didn't go as far as he didn't go as far as you, Pete. He doesn't have us going to the Super Bowl, though. No, Pete's I Bills. do. Well, I mean, think about it. If you get to the point where you're the one seed, you have to win two games at home, and you're going to be in the Super Bowl. And I think by that time, the defense will have grown into something that it's better than what it's been, and it doesn't. It won't have to be great because that offense is going to be great. The offense is going to be special, truly special. And if that's the case, you always say, Tony, your 25 sacks between the two of them might come true because they're going to be playing from a, with the lead this year. That makes better pass rushers. Hey, let's hear from one of those offensive pieces when we come back. Christian Kirk spoke with the media today, and if you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, look no further than Ford F-150, loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between. This truck makes tough look easy. Your local Ford dealer, proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. This Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Jet Home Loans. Since 2014, there's been only one official home builder of the Jaguars, DreamFinders Homes. With quality-built homes and a speedy move-in process, we're in 20-plus communities in the best locations across Northeast Florida. DreamFinders Homes is everywhere you want to live. So get off the sidelines, Jags fans, and get into the game. Let DreamFinders help you navigate your home purchase and offer great interest rates. Visit DreamFindersHomes.com for all your move-in ready homes and step up your game. It's time for sunshine and summer showers, so it's more important than ever to make sure you call Crystal Clean for all your waterproofing needs. Waterproofing can extend the life of your building by keeping water outside where it belongs. And that Florida sun can beat up your business's paint job. Crystal Clean's painting services can bring your building back to life. From waterproofing to painting, schedule Crystal Clean today. Call 904-220-3337 or go to crystalclean.com. You don't have to worry when it's Crystal Clean. Are you ready to elevate your tailgate experience, Jaguars fans? Citrus Distillers, a proud partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, is excited to announce the 2023 Jaguars Limited Edition Whiskey Bottle. Now available at Total Wine and other participating retailers. Elevate your tailgate experience, Jaguars fans. The 2023 Jaguars Limited Edition Whiskey Bottle. Duval! Hey, Jags fans. Everbank is driven by performance, strength, and security. Start building your legacy today with Everbank's Yield Pledge Accounts. 
all of which deliver a yield in the top 5% of competitive accounts nationwide. Visit everbank.com slash jaguars for your earned advantage. Everbank, member FDIC, and the official bank of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Taylor Dahl here for Renewal by Anderson. You will love your new custom windows and doors. For a limited time, buy four windows or patio doors and get the fifth free. The first 50 callers get a free upgrade to TrueScene window screens, plus easy payment plans tailored to fit your budget. Offer expires August 31st. Restrictions apply. Renewal by Anderson, the official window and door replacement partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Visit rbafla.com. License number CGC 1527613. Hello, I'm Dan Fields. If you're in the market for a full-size eight-passenger SUV, look no further than the Defender 130. And with the Defender 90, the 110, and this 130, there's luxury in the right size for everyone. Right, Sammy? Plus, when you buy or lease from Land Rover Jacksonville, you'll become a member of the Fields Amenities Program with complimentary loaners, car washes, our cafe, and much more, all at no charge. It's different in a sense of just the way that we operate. Uh, you just feel the efficiency, the effectiveness, and everybody's on the same play, on the same page. Uh, kind of talked about it a lot, you know, this off season of being able to see, um, you know, tons of different looks and reps, and being able to get time on task, having a full, you know, season in this in this system. You know, you come in now, and it's kind of like you, you know it like the back of your hand. You know, you know what you can get, you know what works and what doesn't work, and you know what, um, you know, we're trying to accomplish on each and every play. You know, that's a big part. Um, you know, you may have a route and a concept that you may think is, you know, a, a, a route that, you know, you're trying to get somebody else open or, you know, you're trying to, to do, you know, one thing, but it, it really has a, a great impact on, on what you're, you're trying to accomplish. So I think for all of us, we got more of a grasp on, on what we like to do and what we're good at. It's Christian Kirk, Jaguars wide receiver, speaking with the media this afternoon at the Miller Electric Center. And welcome back. It's Jaguars happy hour, final moments of the opening hour of the program, presented by Jet Home Loans, J.P. Shadrick, Pete Prisco, Tony Baselli. Glad you're with us on 1010XL, Jaguars.com, Jaguars YouTube. And that uh, just kind of goes to what we were talking to, guys, about the offense. I mean, it's they're pretty good last year. But give them another year in the system together and adding a piece or two and uh, – just continuing to build upon that. And with the guy triggering it, Pete, I mean, come on, give me a break. Trevor's going to be awesome. And the fact that they know it that much better. I mean, the only, what, everybody's back. The only new guy is Ridley. I mean, that's basically the same group. And so that's where, and Tony, you can, you can talk about this because you lived it. And as you guys became more comfortable with your offense, how much better were you the next year and the next year? Oh, you just because it becomes second nature. It's instinctful, or instinctive. Excuse me. It's instinctive in the. Um, you become instinctful. It's instinctive as you approach the game because things just. JP, stop shaking your head. At me. I don't need your little giggle thing because I mean, I. It's unbelievable. You know, I'll, I'm. I, I immediately corrected it. I mean, the fact that I mean you. Like, I didn't really say anything. What did I say? You, I didn't say a word. Because I could go back and listen to your stupid game you called and all the <laughs> damn things you said that were dumb over a three-hour period, which is plenty. Trust me, I've listened before. And anyone who does that for a living has a number of things they say. are like, oops, that was not my best. Um, but you, 
by taking shots. Well, I didn't take a shot. I didn't say anything. I'm just sitting yeah, here. Yeah, but we could we could see the shot. I don't care. Yeah. Smiling. Was, it was I can't smile. Shot. I like the point you were making. What is that? I didn't. No, it was. I mean, that was a visual shot, which was. I mean, that was... It was AJP. It was warranted, though. Yes, so, it, it was, was Pete. I, I didn't want to <laughs> say so. Come on, I'm trying to help our guy oh, out. Oh my gosh, I, I I corrected it first of all. You become very instinctive, in, in the in, as far as the game plan, it's you're not doing as much thinking. Um, and so what Christian Kirk said is exactly right. You're in the system. You know it. It's it's you know it's become second nature. Um, but the biggest thing, let's just be clear is Trevor Lawrence is more comfortable. He has more command of the offense. So think of how good he was at the back half of last season. And now he's going to grow from that platform. So he's going to, I mean, because listen, he has all the athletic ability. He has every tool you need in the toolbox to be the best quarterback in the NFL, including what's between the ears and the toughness and the leadership. And so now you're giving you give him year two in the same system with a, a great offensive coaching staff with weapons around him and a good offensive line. Watch out. I mean, I think the MVP. And this is where I got ripped and I've got ripped in this offseason with two things I said. One is the 23 to 25 sacks, which is Pete uh, um, mentioned it. One of the reasons I believe that because I think this offense is going to be explosive and they're going to be playing with leads all day. All day. So you can, in, so, in those kind of scenarios, you can almost fall into those 23, 25 sacks. You're going to get, they're going to get 25% more opportunities this year. And by the way, if you have a number one overall pick and the, the top 10 pick on the other side, you should have 23 to 25 sacks between the two of you when you're playing with a lead. So, so in the second thing I got ripped for is I said on the morning show with Dan and Jeff on 1010, I said, I think this will be the most, the best most prolific offense in the history of the franchise. You said that here last week. Yeah, I know, but you are, but you and JP are smart enough to understand what that means and how I'm right. saying it, where Dan and Jeff and me, or Dan, I should say, immediately go to, well, Jimmy, Calvin Ridley's not better than Jimmy. Their tackles aren't better than you and Leon. Their ETN's not better than Fred. I said, I never That's said funny. that. No. I said, first of all, we, you, said, you said that this is not the most talented. It's going to be the most prolific. Big difference. Best, yes. Best offense in the history of this franchise. Big difference. Back in a moment. Second hour of the program coming up, including Fanatics fan questions. It is Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Jet Home Loans. Obviously, you know, we know we got the quarterback. We feel like we got the skill, you know, around him. I mean, and the pieces are there, obviously. But it's a long season, and, and injury plays a part of this game. And, and um, I, don't look, I don't look past today, honestly. Get through today and, and then focus on next Monday and, you know, get the guys back in here. And, and the, the one thing I will say, though, with this team is they're in the right frame of mind. You know, they're, they're leaving today for the holiday weekend, um, eager to get ready and, and really – you know, put training camp behind us and, and start, you know, focusing in on the regular season. So uh, I'm excited about that. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as where, where we can end up, that's that's way too early to, to tell. Head coach Doug Peterson this past Thursday. Welcome back. It's hour two of Jaguars Happy Hour on Monday, presented by Mr. Chubby's Wings from the Hyundai Studios inside the Miller Electric Center. J.P. Shadrick 
Pete Frisco, Tony Baselli. The Jaguars cut the roster down to 53 last Tuesday afternoon. One of the highlights, one of the surprises, seven wide receivers on the roster, three tight ends, eight offensive linemen uh, made it through the cut. After players had, uh, after that, players had Friday, Saturday, Sunday off for the holiday weekend, back to work today to get back into it ahead of the week one game coming up Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis against the division rival Colts. Last year, the Jaguars split the series with the Colts with a big win, of course, early in the season here in Jacksonville, 24-0. They shut them out in week two. The Jags defense forced three Matt Ryan interceptions that day. Matt Ryan's doing TV for CBS this year. Lawrence with two touchdown passes, both to Christian Kirk. And then week six in Indianapolis, the Colts scored a late touchdown, 17 seconds left in the fourth quarter to take the lead for good. That was over Shaq Griffin, who's now in Houston. The Jaguars rushed for 243 yards in that game and lost. Six best total in team history. Well, now the uh, Jags have not fared well in Indy all time, of course. Uh, and he's been very good over the years. But the high points scored for the Jaguars in Indianapolis at either stadium, the RCA Dome or Lucas Oil Stadium, is 27 points. Three different times. And uh, they'll see if they can get close to that, surpass that uh, this week. They scored 26 another time, 25 another. Uh, in those 27-point performances, the Jaguars 2-1 and one in games played in Indianapolis. Pete Prisco, Tony Baselli joining us now. A lot coming up this week, of course, as the Jaguars get ready for week number one. So here we are, finally. On the doorstep of the season, guys, it's been a long, long off season, and, and actual real football, Pete, is a straight ahead Thursday night, the kickoff game, right? The Chiefs and the, the I'm Lions. Re I'm ready for real football, man. I'll yeah. tell you what. It, it When you get to training camp, you get you get excited. You travel around. I do. I travel around. I go see teams. I get excited. Then you get the preseason. You see about a half, and you're like, okay, moving. let's move on. And then you get two weeks afterwards. I mean, it's with, you know, just transactional stuff. You don't see any football. And so I, I, I'm I'm ready for some NFL football. By the way, Jacksonville hasn't scored more than 27 in Indy when? What did you say the last uh, time they did that? Uh, just, uh, yeah, last last year they scored 27 they and, scored, and lost. Yeah, but, before, but when was the last time they scored 27 up there and won? Um, it's been a minute. Uh, let's yeah. look at that again. 2017. Yeah. Shut out well, they're going to score more than 27 and win this week. How about that? I, I think they scored 34 up there this week. Sounds good Trevor, to me. Trevor's going to get his MVP season underway quickly. Hey, quickly. Pete, well, I agree. I mean, I think they'll score a bunch of points. That's actually a shocking statistic when you think about it. The most they've ever scored in Indianapolis is 27, um, especially over the last several years where – this league is set up to score points. It's actually it's just shocking when you think about it that way. Yeah, but when was the last um, time they had a really good offense, though? But that's my. But I'm not. Yeah. I'm, that's my whole point. It's right. shocking that we've been that mediocre at offense. We're poor. Um, Pete, what'd you do on your last weekend off until Super Bowl Sunday? I watched college football on Saturday. Who'd you watch? And then I went to the I went to the beach on Sunday. Hmm. What did you do? Yeah. You watch uh, college went, football? Went to college went to football beach. on Saturday and then sat at the beach yesterday on Sunday. Yeah, so you did the same thing. I was on one yeah. coast, you were on the other. You were in the cold water. Did you get in? Heck no. My, <laughs> son, my, my son was with me. He's like, hey, you want to go body surfing? I'm like, not a chance. It's, it's too cold. <laughs> no, that California too water's too cold, too. 
Plus, there's a million sharks to, in that California water. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't worry me. I, I used to swim in that when I was a kid growing up, coming here all the time, and then and then um, in college, living here five years, we go to the beach all the time. I mean, I would go swimming in March in the ocean. It'd be like sixty degrees. Did you go put your feet in it at least yesterday? No, no, nope. you didn't even do nope. that. No, no, I sat on the chair, watched the sunset. And listen, talked to my wife, my son, my stepmom, listened to some music and hung out. And then went to Javier's. It's a pretty good day. It was a good day. I was in the water a lot yesterday. It was rough. You know, usually the water down here isn't rough. It's calm as can be. It was rough yesterday for some reason. I don't know why, but it was. Well, I love the beach. I could sit on the beach all day. Me and you both, Pete. I'm a, a beach guy. It's a good beach to sit on down there, Pete. It's gorgeous. For it really is. Gorgeous. The water, you know what? And I've traveled to all, a lot of the Caribbean islands. When the water's at its best here, it's as good as any Caribbean island, any of them. And I've been to a lot of them. So, yeah, it's it's definitely different. Plus, it's so clear you can see the sharks when they swim up on you. That's right. They won't sneak up on you. You know, I had one. In you can't. The, one you time can, I was you know, you can hear the music though, so that would be you know, a dead giveaway, right? You, the, a a uh, JP. I was at um, Fernandino once with my brothers. They were visiting me. We were up there in the water, and I had a shark brush me in the water, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh no, time to get out of here," because <laughs> you can't see up there. The no. water's a little darker. No, I saw. Yeah, it's a little more a little murky because of the uh, inlet there, the river yeah. coming in. Yeah, um, but yeah, back to Indy, uh, JP. Yeah. Um, listen, we're getting, I mean, opening day, it's a little bit of unknown. I mean, we think we know. And yes, I have supreme confidence in this offense just to get rolling and just light up the uh, light up the Colts. But I will just, a word of caution, I've locked it, Pete's locked it. Crazy things happen on opening day. Teams you think have no business of winning a game, win a game, and they end up being terrible for the rest of the year. And teams that end up going to the playoffs stub their toe early. Um, yeah, because you can pull so, out a play that you haven't scouted or they haven't seen anywhere, and they can draw something up, right? That, uh, hey, it well, might work just, for you yeah, once. It's drawn it up, but like Indy, Indianapolis is a great example. We have no idea what they're going to do with Anthony Richardson. You think they showed anything in preseason of right. actually what they're going to do? Yeah. Well, let's go back to last year and see a playoff team who lost to a non-playoff team in week one. Ooh, uh, Jacksonville. <laughs> Jacksonville, we, we lost to the uh, the Commanders. Commanders. Um, Should have won that The game. Eagles barely beat the Lions last year on opening day. Yep. Um, who else? And I believe the Lions had a big uh, big lead. Or no, they, or no, they were down and they came back. Yeah. The Steelers beat the Bengals on opening day in Cincinnati last year. Did, yes. If I'm not mistaken, Pete, weren't the Bengals 0-2 last year? Yeah. And then uh, where else? I'm just trying to look. That's that's about it on opening day last year. But, no, the Bucks beat the Cowboys on opening day last year. Yeah. Hmm. Pretty, ama- pretty amazing that – Things happen the way they do sometimes. I mean, the, the Bucks weren't ended up not being a really good team last year, and 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 the Cowboys were a little, they weren't great either, though. But you're right, though. Something, anything can happen on opening day. I think that's where coaching comes in in a big way, Tony. Don't you? Don't you think the good coach usually will have his team ready? I always worry about even the good teams when they have a game on the road in like week three after winning a couple. Those are the ones I worry about. 
more so than on opening day if you have a good coach. Yeah, but take the Bengals. I think they're well coached. I think Zach is a good coach. They have a great quarterback in Joe Burrow. They have yeah, but remember he of- was he missed time last year with the um. What did he have? He had um, the appendectomy, and he almost never played in the preseason, barely at all. So he was like, that has something to do with it. No, but my point is, I, I mean, you look at the history of the league. I, there's always some, let me put it this way, Pete. I guarantee you, if you go down the list of games on this coming Sunday, this weekend, there will be one or two shock, like yes. shocking, like you're like, oh, my gosh, I would have never thought that team would beat that team. I agree, and I They're, and so I and I do not think it's going to be the Colts. I'm not worried about that. But just a word of caution: it's opening weekend in the NFL, and trust me, Doug and this coaching staff are not taking this light. No one's taking it lightly. No one's saying we're better than the Colts. Let's roll the ball out there and let's go. You know, figure it out, and we'll go win the game. We have Trevor Lawrence and this great offense. So, um, but I, I have a sense, Pete. I think this is a 10 to 14 point victory for the Jags. You want to lock that too? Or just the win. I mean, I, I'll I'll lock whatever you want. I'm locking the win if it makes you feel better to lock the actual. I mean, I'm just curious. Um, point point differential. Calling your I, shot. I'm happy to do that. You're calling your shot there. But again, when they've beat in the past, when they've dominated the Colts, it's always been by blasting the Colts, going back to the you know by running it down their throat and stuff. I don't think that's. I mean, they'll run the ball, but I don't think that's who this team is anymore. No. So, is this the game where they go up and throw – Trevor Lawrence throws for 350 and three touchdowns, and they score the win by 10 to 14, like you're saying. That That's – I think that's who they are now. But he's going to – you're right. He's going to have to be patient, Tony. He's going to have to be – because you know Gus is going to make him be patient. The problem with that scenario is – in a lot of the spots where Gus was and he allowed teams to be patient, he had Bosa, he had uh, Crosby. He doesn't have that in Indianapolis. You know, he has that. Where's no. his elite pass rusher? He doesn't have one. He doesn't have one. I mean, Buckner's a good player, but he's not an elite edge player. You know what I mean? Wait, what is the, the best password with probably Pay? It's not a good group. I mean, it just isn't. They don't. I mean, they've drafted so many guys there, and it hadn't worked out. They got the what the the kid from uh, Ebucom from the Rams. He's just a guy. I mean, they don't. Who else? They don't have anything. It's a. It's not a good group from rushing passer standpoint, which is why I think Trevor Lawrence should have a field day. Not only that, you're starting a rookie corner. They have all kind of corner depth issues at depth at corner. All kinds of issues. Yeah, I mean, they're banged up back there. They got – who are they going to start? I mean, they're going to start Flower, Dallas Flowers maybe? Juju Brand. If, if Jacksonville doesn't roll up a big number in the passing game, I will be astounded. Yeah, me and you both. But sure. patience has to be important, no doubt. Well, No doubt, patience is key. And they've got the personnel to, to you know – Go down the field slowly if they need to, right? They got the tight end. They got the they got the slot player. They got the oh, running yeah. game. Well, they got listen, the, way Trevor, hey, the way Trevor Lawrence plays now with the ball getting to the rights, knowing where to go and those quick throws and everything, if they're going to play him like that, he'll just take it. Absolutely. Well, and I do think they'll be – I think the run game will be good too. I, I'm looking forward to seeing ETN and Bigsby and how they and how they kind of roll those guys through. And Because I think both of them look good in the preseason. 
Um, and so I think it, Pete, I actually think this might be a little bit more balanced than we thought on Sunday because of how Gus wants to play a, a defense. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you Well, see... yeah, if you're playing off, if you're playing off, they're daring you to run, you run, then they come down, then you throw the shots over the top. I, I get yeah. it. I understand that. But here, here's the other thing. This team now is fast. Jacksonville's fast on offense. It's a fast offense. The tight end's fast for a tight end. The You know, Ridley's fast. ETN's fast. Um, you know, they're fast. Zay Jones can fly. And on that turf, that should play to that speed because you're even faster. So I I think that's why they'll take it. You're right, though. They might have to run a little bit to take them out of that and then then hit them with the shots down the field. But the way they designed the offense, Tony, you talk about it all the time. They make it so easy on the linemen, on the quarterback, the ball's out. It's hard to rush oh. the passer. Well, they move the pocket, a lot of play action, zone reads, you know. They, like, it'll be – Pete, and we'll talk about this next Monday. And I'll count it up, and, and if you get a chance to watch the film before Monday, you do the same thing. How many times do they drop back a straight drop back pass on first or second down? If it's yeah, if it I, I if it's more than five times now, the only time the only chance it's more than five times the entire game is if they're they're in a bunch of second and eight or longer situation. Um, or if they're behind, or if they were behind, or if they're behind, if they stay. On schedule, it could be zero. Zero. Like, they they do not straight drop back first and second down. JP, do you have Trevor's numbers last year against the Colts? Because that would be in, uh, interesting to see how he was against Gus last year. And just if you pop him up yes. real quick. Yes, I, I can do that. Yes, I can absolutely do that real quick. Because I think that, that would be interesting to see. Because, again, Tony, you talk about what they used to do to Mahomes. And early in Mahomes' career, he used to hate it. Remember, he wasn't patient. It bothered him. Yep. He had some of his worst games against Gus's defense. But as he got older, he realized, okay, I can take this, I can take this, I can take that. And that's where he is now. All right, here we go. Week uh, two, Jaguars hosting Indy. That one doesn't count because he's he's still using the, the Urban Meyer enema going there, so that one doesn't count. He was 25 of 30 in the game, by the way. <laughs> 235 <laughs> yards with two touchdowns. Oh, gosh, Pete. I love you, man. 121. <laughs> you got to get it out of him. 121 rating in the game. And then add Indy, 20 of 22 passing, 165 through the year, one touchdown efficient. But they ran the ball. They ran the daylights out of it that day. Yeah, so he didn't have to do anything. Yeah, I mean, they, they lost, but they, they did run the ball a bunch. So again, that's a game they didn't. They should have won that game. Let's see. He was that, he was forty five, forty five of fifty two against the <laughs> Colts last year. Well, that and that tells you, Tony. That goes back to what we were just saying about being patient, getting the ball out. Exactly right. Hey, let's come back. Uh, we'll keep it real when we come back. How about that? It is. We haven't yet. Oh, no, we haven't yet, Tony. We're an hour and 15 in, and we have not yet. Just wait about three minutes, and we will. PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com. It's Jaguars Happy Hour, presented by Mr. Chubby's Wings. 
Caleb on, you know, coming off of last season, you know, the, the growth and the, 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 um, um, the potential that he had from last season going into this offseason. And, and uh, you, you, see, you see a guy that um, understands the defense. He's a great, you know, in, in setting an edge in the run game. Uh, he gives you some really good uh, pass rush. Um, and a veteran player, you know, and, and uh, Yazir, just a young, athletic, uh, quick, still learning, very raw, you know, at the position, but uh, somebody that can that can come in and, and really give you a change of pace, uh, edge rusher, and, and that's what we uh, that's what we're going to see and, and use him, you know, in that situation. Doug Peterson, Jaguars head coach, discussing Caleb Chazon and Yasir Abdullah. And welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on a Monday, presented by Mr. Chubby's Wings, J.P. Shadrick, Tony Baselli, Pete Briscoe. Glad you're along with us on this Labor Day. Hope you're enjoying the afternoon. Nice weather out today to get out on the boat, or wherever you may be, enjoying some uh, festivities. Final, kind of the end of uh, summer. It's still warm out, but uh, it's what it is, the uh, traditional end of summer, Labor Day weekend. It's time now to keep it real, presented by Woodbridge by Robert Mondavi. Open up a winner today. Real Ingredients, award-winning wine by Robert Mondavi. Our topic today, defense. Who is the best defensive player for the Jaguars? Um, I mean, the most consistent is the Luacon. I mean, he's the, he's the most consistent the best boy um i think tyson campbell i would say it's it's between tyson campbell boy i'll, I'll give you another campbell. name Pete. i'll give you another name that made some of the biggest plays all last year on defense rayshon jenkins yeah but he's not i don't he, he's a feast or famine in my book yeah but on a defense that lived feast or famine and, and needed those big plays. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't say that. I would say. Um, no, I said Tyson Campbell. I'm just saying. What I, about if Hamilton were if Hamilton was healthy? Well, he probably had the best camp. But what about Roy Robertson Harris when he's playing at his best? Roy Robertson Harris at the beginning part and the end part of last season was a big factor on that defense. Right. So if he plays like that, is he one of the? Is he the? It could say, Tyson Campbell's the best one. Josh, but, Josh Allen, the last month of the season, was impactful. If he can do that. Look, Josh Allen or and or Trayvon Walker have to be in the conversation for best defensive player on the roster this year, period. They have to be. Yeah, if you talk potential, those two guys are at the top of the list, but you just got to realize it because, I mean, you said it, JP, at the end of the year, Josh Allen was great. Well, he's getting 15 sacks, and, and, uh, and Trayvon Walker's getting 10, according to you. Wow. Then it's a real toss-up. Or, or, or 13 and 12. I mean, or, if you got 13. Or 12 and, a, 12 and a half, 12 and a half. If they get 13 to 12, then that, that'll be a special season for that defense. I agree. So – yeah, the pro the problem with when you ask that question, JP, and it's a good question, is there's no clear cut answer. And I think on most defenses, particularly on the good defenses, there is a clear cut answer. Absolutely. For example, if you go to the Cowboys, Micah Parsons. No doubt. You go to the 49ers, Nick Bosa. You go to the Steelers, T.J. Watt. 
You know, usually there's a clear-cut answer. Now, it's not always the case, but the majority of the time it is. What about the Ravens, Pete? They don't have a great defense. That's, that's a, there's a myth in there. It's they weird. don't have great pass that's rushers. Weird to they say. got hopeful. They're yeah. like, they got Jacksonville hopefuls. Like, Ojabo, they think he's going to be a good player, but they don't know. Yeah. How about the Bengals? That's, probably, Bates, that's, probably, probably Bates the safety. Well, he's gone, though. So who would it be now? Oh, that's right. He's, he's in gone. Atlanta. DJ Reader's a good player. He doesn't get credit for Reed. being a good player. Uh, Hendrickson? The, Hendrickson or the uh, that uh, linebacker. Logan Wilson? Logan Wilson. But there's no clear-cut one there. So, yeah, you're right. There's no clear-cut one there. Like in Miami, if Miami, everybody's healthy, Jalen Ramsey's the best defensive player on Miami's defense. Yeah. But he's not out there. No. So their best defense, I think their best defenders, well, probably Christian Wilkins, but I think Jalen Phillips will be by the end of this year. Well, this is why the Jets are going to be a really good defense. You could, is it Quentin Williams? Is it uh, Sauce Gardner? Is it, you know, who's the best defense player on that team? They got levels. They're not very good at line. They're not great at linebacker, though. But uh, the, uh, is the old Raven still there? Uh, he's the okay, Mosley. He's, he's okay. Mosley, he's a good player, Pete. And then the other, Quincy Williams is the other starter. Quincy. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then they have they have a boatload of guys. Even if they're not household names, they have a boatload of guys up front that just uh, roll them in. Like John Franklin Myers is a good player. You know, nobody even knows who he is. He's a good player. Uh, you know, the, the, the Jermaine Johnson from FSU. I mean, they're, they're loaded up front. And DJ Reed's a good corner too. They're not very good at safety. They're average at safety. I mean, they're they're going to be good if 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 we're going to be based on getting after the quarterback, which is what Salah's defense usually are. They'll be good on defense. Yeah, but it's a great question for this defense. It really uh, is because there is nobody. I think it's Tyson Campbell. He is the best, most consistent, big play guy they have. Okay, is Tyson Campbell a top ten corner in the NFL? Probably not if he went through it. Right. He's not. He's pushing it, maybe at 10, 11, somewhere. Could he be after the season? Maybe. But that's just it. They don't have a dominant defensive player. Can this group as a whole, with all the continuity back and the play calling, all taking a step together, overcome that? Or just yes. build, can somebody but, grow yeah. out of that? Because I think they have a lot of good football players on defense, JP. Mm-hmm. Like Pete and I have said this. Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen are good football players. They're just not the impactful pass rushers of this that we that you, on a consistent basis that disrupt the game. I say it all the time. On defense and today, especially today, I think it's always been like this at some level, but it's I think it's more important today than ever. You have to have that one disruptor, the one guy that keeps you up at night, that can just change a game yep. all by himself. And, you know, and most of the time that's a guy up front, like a Bosa or a TJ Watt or, you know, one of those guys, a Von Miller type of player. But at corner, I mean, I know that everyone hates this guy more than anybody, Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey, when he's healthy at his top, he changes how you can play defense because of the way he can cover. And, the, you know, and you look at the Rams and use the Rams, you see some nickel outside doing a bunch of different stuff. I mean, he has a skill set that's so unique that he changes how you can play. Um, I mean, you go, you know, you go back to the great Ravens defense. Now they had a, a, 
every level a bunch of good players. But like Ed Reed at safety, I mean, he he disrupted the entire game and how you played and you know how you you had to identify him. You had to find out where he was on the field. Troy Polamalu. Um, and so it's always easier to pick those pass rushers out because they just they jump off, um, you know. But there's there's guys that disrupt an offense, and I don't think we have that guy today on our defense. I think we have guys who have the potential to do that, but potential is not worth much until you fulfill it. And you know, and I you know I believe as much as anybody in Trayvon and and. And Josh, based on, you know, what I said about the number of sacks they're going to get this year, but they got to go do it. Now, if they do that and they become 12, 13, 14 sack guys, okay. You know, you know, if you look at this defense, the last guy that was really that guy for us was Clays Campbell. I mean, Clays Campbell disrupted offenses. In yes, he did. From an interior. It's like Chris Jones does it for the Chiefs. Chris Jones. There's a great example. And by the way, they're, they're going to struggle to stop people until they get him back. Aaron Donald. Oh, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, no doubt. Right, but I'm saying, you're, but you're right. They could be defensive linemen. It could, Micah Parsons is, you know, from the edge now. He's an edge player. They're making him strictly an edge player, which I think is smart. Um, but you don't have one on this defense yet. There's not one. That was Keeping It Real, presented by Woodbridge by Robert Mondavi. Open up a winner today. Real Ingredients, award-winning wine by Robert Mondavi. I'll take credit for that question, by the way. That was a good question, JP. Very good question. Thank you. Appreciate that. We're back in a moment. Fanatics, fan questions right around the corner. And, uh, boy, we've got some good ones again today, even on Labor Day. It's Jaguars Happy Hour, presented by Mr. Chubby's Wings. We feel good about all three of them, obviously. Good enough to keep them on the 53 and feel good about their upside. Greg Jr.'s competing for that nickel spot right now. Uh, you know, Monteric's done some very good things through camp and has earned that spot. And, you know, Christian, a very talented young guy. He's he had a little injury bug early on, so he missed some time, but really excited about his potential. Trent Baalke. Jaguars general manager last Thursday discussing three young corners who made the roster. And welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour, our second hour presented by Mr. Chubby's Wings, J.P. Shadrick with Pete Prisco and Tony Baselli. And it's time now for the Fanatics fan questions. Jags fans, gear up at Fanatics.com with all latest Jags styles. Shop now and get today's special offer. Fanatics.com, officially licensed everything. We always put the cat signal out on X. Here are the best posts we've come up with today. At Totally Chad, with Ridley as the true wide receiver one, how do you think other receivers will handle not getting as many targets? And what do you think Doug, Doug Peterson, may be doing to help mitigate any possible issues? I, I don't think this is an issue, Pete, with this group. I don't sense that at all. Um, well, it's, well think, first off, it's an issue with every receiver, but it's not going to be a major issue. Sure. And I think if you're – especially if you're winning. Now, if they're not winning and having not having success, that's where you get, you know, trouble. But if they're winning, having success, moving the ball, um, yeah, listen, there's gonna, always going to be, you know, comments. I mean, heck, when we were good, I mean, 
you know, Keenan and Jimmy, and there was only two of them, you know, Keenan was never covered. That was Pete's line. He's always, <laughs> Keenan's always open. Yeah, but not only that, Keenan, uh, and he would never admit this. Osher will back me up on this. Keenan was a happier receiver when he caught 10 for 120 and two touchdowns and they lost than he was when he went two for 17 and you won. He would never admit that because that's just human nature. You want to win, but come on. I mean, receivers want the ball. They always have. And But is it going to be a problem with this group? Not as long as you're winning. And I don't think the quarterback will allow it to become a problem. That's it right. wasn't a problem with Keenan. He just bitched and moaned about it. And Jimmy would bitch no. and moan about it too. But they never made it an issue. No, it's. I mean, Pete's right. It's, it's in the nature of every receiver. Want the ball. I get it. I mean, you know, every position has little nuances like that. I mean, offensive linemen want to run the ball. And, you, you know, hear us yelling at the sidelines, call the run, call the run. And, you know, and, you know, every, I mean, so – I just don't sense that from this group. I mean, you listen to, I mean, you listen to Christian Kirk talk. I mean, Zay Jones, these guys are team guys. Um, I think Ridley is a guy who's coming back after a tough two years, what he's gone through. I think he's, he's happy to be back and playing. Um, now, and I, now, do I think that Doug's going to be aware and he's going to make sure that guys have plays called for them where they get the ball to certain guys during the game? Absolutely. What are the numbers um, for the receivers this year? Give me numbers. I like that. Um, I think I think Ridley has 90 in the 90 range. I think Kirk has in the 80 range. Zay Jones has, you know, high 60, low, high 60s. Um, and then I think Evan Ingram's in the 50, 60s. It's a lot of catches. Well, I mean, how many what, how many complete how many completions did uh, Trevor have last year? Last year, Trevor Lawrence had a total of three hundred eighty-seven completions. Okay, so ninety. So, yeah. Okay, but so three hundred how many? Eighty-seven. Three eight seven. What was it? What was his completion uh, percentage? Sixty-six percent. So let, I think that'll be over four hundred feet this year. So let's just say it's four hundred receptions. Okay. Round number. Okay, so ninety. To Kirk, I mean to uh, Ridley, 80, 170. That's, one, that's 170. What'd you say for Ingram? Uh, I call, uh, uh, that's 180. That's 170. And then 170, and, call it 60 for Ingram and uh, Zay. So now you're at 290. Right. And you have another 110 for the rest of the backs. Yeah, the backs will get. Yeah. 45, yeah, yeah, maybe. If, if, but I don't think it's going to be – I think it's more for Ridley. It'll be 90 and a lot of big plays, where I think for Kirk it'll be 80 and and more of the stuff in the middle of the field. And Zay's might have more big plays down the field and less catches. Don't you agree? Yeah, but, I mean, Zay, Zay – they like run Zay across the, on the drags and the yeah. different things and the, and the deep overs and Ingram's on the move all the time. I mean, if you just – those four receivers, that's 390. Um, I mean, sorry, 290 uh, receptions from Then you those. get a couple of extra the tight ends, the extra tight ends. Yeah. I don't think that's a realistic at all. Now, I also could see a year where, you know, if Kirk and Ridley go off, both have 90 and maybe, you know – because here's the other thing. If those guys are rolling – 
they're going to get more reps and the other guys aren't going to get in the game. You'll have those three receivers rolling for most of the game. Just for reference, by the way, last year, Christian Kirk, 84, Zay Jones, 82 catches, Ingram, 73 catches, Marvin Jones Jr. had 46. So so the fourth receiver in this group is going to be the, the one of the – Zay Jones or the tight end is going to get the fourth amount of catches, you would think. Yeah. I think it will probably be Zay. What the backs have? ETN had 35 catches. Hasty had 20. So there's 55 to the backs. What about Agnew? Agnew had 23 catches. So – and you know those little gimmick shovel passes count as passes yes, too, and they all do. that. So, so yeah, you're, you're you're probably ninety is right, but see for for mine is ninety. I said for for Ridley ninety for a big yardage chunks and a lot of touchdowns. I think he's going to have ten or eleven, twelve touchdowns, thirteen, and then Kirk will have. The, what do he have last year touchdown wise? Uh, let's see, Christian Kirk had eight. Yeah, he'll get in that ballpark eight, nine, ten. So, well, because I think, I mean, Trevor's going to have more touchdown passes this year than correct. last year. I think he's going to throw 35 to 38, maybe 38, something like that, 37. So spread those around. You get 10, 11, 12 to, to Ridley. You get 8, 9, 10 to Kirk. Now you're at 20-ish. Then you get Ingram will catch. How many did he catch last year? He'll be better. So yeah, Ingram had four. He had four, and it took him a while he'll to have, get those. He'll so. have seven this year. Mm-hmm. So now you're at 27. Um, or 26. Zay will, Zay will Zay have, have five. five. Yeah. Now you're at 31. Backs will have a couple. You know? So, yeah. You might throw one to the one or two to the backup tight end when he gets free. So, you're talking uh, to... And you could have a couple. Right. So, you're going to have 36, 37 touchdown passes. Next question. At Trevorville. Pete, why is Peter King copying you? When was the last time he favored the Jaguars to be the number one seed? You know, our good buddy Mark Long sent me a, a thing where they asked um, a Luacon, I guess, about Peter King picking them to have the number one seed. And Gene Fournette asked the question. Yes. I picked them to go to the damn Super Bowl, Gene! And Peter King sounds, got that idea for me when I was standing on the like, You can read the story. I was standing on the sideline with Peter King at Green Bay, and I said, Jacksonville's schedule is favorable to be the one seed. They will be the one seed. Just Peter, like I said. Like, Peter, it sounds like you, uh, uh, Gene, from, uh, Gene Fournette believes that Peter King's just a bigger deal than you, and he's going to name drop Peter King and not Pete Prisco. You're kind of secondary. Uh, in the mind of Gene Fournette. Sounds like well, it to Gene's me. In mind, I still think he thinks I'm at the Times Union. <laughs> I'm not even sure he knows you're in the media anymore, Pete. <laughs> Gene, by the way, I saw the other day, Gene celebrated 40, 42 years or whatever at the Times Union. It was his anniversary. Who knew he started when he was 40? I sent that out on Twitter. <laughs> <and> like that. <laughs> but uh, media, I love Gene. Media, I love Gene. media. Media, media crime. Oh, always. Well, yeah, that's where Peter King, he wrote it in the column. He got the idea from me. They all follow my lead, Tony. They all follow my lead. He's a trailblazer, that Pete Prisco. Everyone everyone but Gene Burnett. He doesn't even know you exist. (laughs) I mean, how we've been saying it on – I said it on our national TV on CBS Sports Network. I said it on here a bunch of different times. And I didn't just say they're going to have the one seed. I said they're going to the Super Bowl. You did. 
I was here for it, Pete. Yep. Let's get a couple more in. This is from at Tony B's henchman. If the Jaguars allow more than 21 points to the rookie quarterback making his first start, is that cause for concern with this defense? No, I don't think. No. I, I mean, I don't think they're going to score more than 21. But if they do, as long as we win, I don't care. I mean, it's what week if it's, one. What if it's 40? What if it's 40 to 17 and they score a late touchdown or something? It just depends on how it happens. Is it an accident play where he scrambles around and finds an open guy? If they move the ball consistently. That would be cause for concern. I don't think, Pete, and you know this will be like this on Monday. It's overreaction Monday after week one. Yep, always. I I think you can't make any proclamations after week one. No. You got to get through two or three weeks of the NFL season before you really know what's what and who's who. So I would not make any judgments regardless of what happens against the Colts. Well, if they lost, you can start making some judgments. You know what I mean. Yeah. One final question. This is from at Reno Hightower 21. Did Pete stay up late to watch his Sun Devils in the Haboob Storm? A, I don't have the Pac-12 network because it's like this network that nobody gets. And B, that game supposedly didn't get over till like 4 o'clock in the morning on the East or 3 o'clock in the morning on the East Coast because of the two-and-a-half-hour delay. And they were winning big. The delay happened, and they barely beat Southern Utah, which tells me it's going to be another garbage year in Tempe. Imagine that. But how about this, Pete? There's only one conference in the entire country that is undefeated after two weeks of college football, and that is the soon-to-be dismantled Pac-12. There's one conference that will not exist next year. So Pac-12. Get her, get it in while you can. I guess. Well, you know what? They can score. Everybody in that conference can score a boatload of points, too. The quarterbacks can can throw it around. I mean, you think about it. You got the kid at Penix at Washington. You got DJ that transferred from Clemson at Oregon State. You got your guy at USC. Bo Nix at Oregon. I mean, wait, Bo first Nicks. of all, my guy, my guy is the best player in college football. Without a doubt. On the Heisman, easy. No question. Yep. Yeah, a lot of a lot of quarterbacks will be drafted out of that conference uh, this year. There you have it. Hey, thanks for the questions, Fanatics fan questions today. The uh, posts on X on Labor Day. And if you're a Jags fan who's always on the move, we've got the perfect plan for you with the bundle at the bank. You can purchase tickets to three or more games starting at 58 bucks per game. Get the flexibility you want for your time this fall. Visit jaguars.com slash tickets or call 904-633-2000. Final thoughts ahead as Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Mr. Chubby's Wings. We're back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Mr. Chubby's Wings from the Hyundai Studios at the Miller Electric Center just outside Everbank Stadium. J.P. Shadrick, Pete Frisco, Tony Baselli with us as they are each and every Monday. And Jaguars football is back. Be there for the highly anticipated 2023 home opener Sunday, September 17th. The Jaguars entertain the defending champs, the Kansas City Chiefs. Grab your tickets, jaguars.com slash tickets or 904-633-2000. And be sure, Tony, that day to wear teal. It is a teal out at the bank in week two. That place is going to be rocking that day. Unbelievable. Can't wait. I mean, you got the Super Bowl champs. You got Patrick Mahomes. 
you know, and and I think they're going to beat the Lions on Thursday, so they'll have won their opener. And it's going to be probably 140 degrees in that place. Hope so. Well, that's good. I mean, because, you know, the Chiefs haven't practiced. I mean, it's been hot around it's the country, hot. but it hasn't been like it's in Jacksonville. It's I can hot. tell you that right now. It is hot everywhere. I mean, yes. Yeah, but there's a different – believe me, I live in South Florida. Coming to Jacksonville for training camp, it's so much hotter. It really is. You know, it was not hot was Detroit. Detroit was beautiful. <laughs> it was unbelievable. It was, it was perfect weather up yeah. there. Was in the 70s? Oh, 80s? It was like 53 in the morning and then like, yeah, 78 or something. It, it was it was just perfect weather. Just a perfect summer day in Detroit, Michigan. So, And I'm sure Kansas City got a lot of days like that in training camp. Or some, anyways. Dallas was he, cooling off the other day. Dallas was down to 99 degrees the other day. Tony, when you used to play early season games at – this at the stadium and teams would come from the north or maybe pittsburgh you played them early could you tell yeah. that it was effective oh those yeah guys? especially if you're running the ball getting after them i mean but again pete again it goes back to training camp was different back then we had two a days we had a practice in the morning we had a practice in the heat of the afternoon full pads going at it um you know these guys had some hot days but they also practiced in the morning a lot and they you know use the indoor facility at times um, later in camp and his camp broke. So, I mean, I still think it is an advantage because you're just used to it living in it day in and day out. But I don't think it's probably the, quite the advantage it once was just because of the way practice is done. I heard Lagerman say the other day, on, I forget, maybe it was on, on, on the air here, but he said that when he was with the Jets, if they had to go play Miami early in the year, he preferred that because he was used to the summer and the heat Whereas if they went and played them later in the year, they weren't you even it was cooler in South Florida, they weren't used to it because of the, the way the conditions were up in the in New York for the jet you know, the weather up there. So I would imagine that's not the case when it's that hot though. Yeah, Pete, I I'll tell you, I think every guy's different. The weather never bothered me. Whether it got hot, cold, it just never it never impacted me as a player. Like the only time I felt impacted on the road was for the first, for you know, one or two series in Denver at Mile High, getting used to the altitude. But then once the game got going, you were fine. But I always remember early in those games, like I'm like, golly, I got to catch my wind. Um, but then you just your body adjusts and you just play. It's funny because I, I you know, I lived there for a year, like kind of like you did. I mean, I was only there for a year, but I remember when I first moved out there, I went and played basketball with somebody. I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how do you get used to this? And you do. You eventually get you settle down, like within the ten minute period, and you get used to it. But I, I see, I couldn't. I hate the cold. I despise the cold. And so if I had to play in the cold, yeah, you get used to it. I think. But what's tougher to play in the cold or the heat neither bothered me i'd probably prefer to play in the heat i mean even though i grew up in colorado just because i mean i wore the same thing right you never wore your sleeves (laughs) i mean so i mean it just never in part rather be it now as an old man (laughs) heat i hate the cold now it bothers me it really bothers me now but as a player it never did and part of it was because i I think it's a mindset a lot of times. Like, I'd go in and just say, I refuse to let this bother me. 
like I'm not going to let it impact me. And that's one of the reasons that's one of the reasons I just dress the same way every time. I'm like, I'm just gonna go play football. Like I you think about it. I, I went to high school in South Florida, I went to college at Arizona, you see a pattern there. I live in <laughs> South Florida now. There's a pattern I run to the heat. I hate the cold. I, I and I've been involved in some of the cold I've been around some of the coldest NFL games there's ever been. Your your game against New England was brutal in the playoff game that year. you I was in the one in when the Titans played the Patriots in New England one year in the new stadium, it was terrible. It was a night game. It was freezing. Coughlin's game at Green Bay. I was at that game. That was brutal. I mean, was and face I just, fell off almost. Yeah. That was, I can't yeah. stand the cold. Well, Pete, remember a couple of years ago, we were in Kansas City for the AFC title game together. <laughs> and, and, and you had, to, I was making fun of you because I was sitting in the booth and you had to go outside and do your hit. And I was yeah. like, have fun, buddy. Yeah, because I was there the week before, and I think you were too, but it wasn't, it was snowing the week before, but it wasn't that cold. But the next week, it was just freezing. You're right. I forgot about that one. Brutal. Yeah, the only, I mean, like, the only thing that impacted me on the cold, Pete, I, like, I remember you brought up the New England game. I remember, like, the first pass pro in that AFC title game, my hands were so cold, it, like, hurt to punch. But after the first punch, it was like, okay, now I'm fine. Oh. And then, if you remember, the, the power went out, and we sat around for 15, yes. 20 minutes, and I got cold again. And then that first series back, you're like, okay, I got to, I, I couldn't wait to get out and just hit somebody the first time to just get all the, just get that first sting out of the body. Um, because after that, it was just, it was football. Hey, JP, yeah. since we're up, I know we're up against it. We didn't get Tony's prediction on the season yet. I thought we had. Yeah, that. we did. I said, I said 11 and uh, 11 and six. And win a division and then what? Right, going to the AFC title game. Okay, so I got them going 13. I'm winning 13 games, going to the Super Bowl, and not winning it. Who are they going to play in the Super Bowl? The Niners. Really? Well, think about the Niners. They have four games against the Rams and the Cardinals. That's the advantage, and both teams have major advantages in their divisions. Hey, Pete, is is the boast deal going to get done? He'll he'll show up. I mean, him. They'll get the Boses always ha- don't they always hang out for a while? Nick, didn't Joey? Joey did but, it too. Uh, well, I mean, this week you heard, you heard rumors of a possible trade. No They're not trading tra- him. They're no way. Tra- you don't trade a guy like that. I don't care what you get for him. You don't trade it. No way. I'll tell you right now, if they were going to trade him, I'd give him two. I, if I'm the Jags, give him two first rounders and take that cap right now. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be I nice. don't think two Here. first rounders would get it done, though. Okay, what do you want? Two first-rounders, what else do you want? That's how good he is. I agree. You don't trade him. JP, no. what about your pick, buddy? 12. Wow, 12 he, he went right between us. 12 wins. <laughs> yeah. Right in the middle. Right in the sweet spot right there. Uh, 12 wins. Division champs. And uh, they may. I don't think they'll get the number one seed with 12 wins. Somebody how else. far in the playoffs do they go? I think if they're not the one seed, I think they'll get to the to the AFC Championship game. I think okay. they'll make if a little run. If they don't get the one seed, if they don't get the one seed with twelve, who's getting the one seed? Whoever beat whatever the one of those teams beats them, right? Bills okay, or the but Chiefs. Look at, but, okay, but look at the this is why it's you look yeah. at the AFC East, they're going to beat each other up. You look at the AFC North, they're going to beat each other up. And you look out west, Kansas City's schedule is brutal. And not only that, they play the Chargers in that division. And if Jacksonville beats them in week two, there you go. There's your home field advantage. Okay. I like that. 
I like that. And I think defensively with no Chris Jones, the Chiefs have some issues early. Yeah, let's hope that doesn't yeah. get resolved. That would be nice. Yeah. I, I bet he shows up soon, though. They'll pay him. You got to have the game. And same with Boza. You got to have the game record, Tony. You just talked about it. If you, those two are game records. Yep. Who do you guys like Thursday night in the kickoff Chiefs. game? Lions haven't learned how to win yet. Uh, I, I mean, I think the Chiefs, but I'm mean, rooting hard for the Lions. I think it's a close game, though. Why are you rooting hard for – oh, just so the Chiefs lose a game? No, just because Brunel. Brunel. Uh, yeah, I just want Brunel to have success. Yeah, so the offense has success, and he's he considered that a plus for him. Listen, I'm, I'm rooting for my guy, Pete. I want, him to have a, <laughs> I want him to have a good offensive day and get a win. He'll be – it's good for him. He's got. He's done a really good job with Jared Goff. I'll give him that much. I think Mark's yeah. good coach. All right, guys, happy Labor Day. Uh, enjoy the beach, Tony and Pete, I suppose. No, uh, I'm not at the beach. I'm working. I'm back at work. <laughs> That's Pete Frisco, Tony Baselli. I'm J.P. Shadrick. Air quotes, working. Uh, Joe Fortunato, our manager of radio, Brent Reaver, Andrea Curry on the video side, William Pease on podcast, Kate Waske on ads. I'm J.P. Shadrick. Thank you for listening. It's Jaguars Happy Hour presented by Mr. Chubby's Wings.